Welcome to the Hello Retirement Podcast with Josh Leonard from Leonard Advisory Group. In this podcast, we help those nearing retirement greet it with a well-prepared smile. Join Josh and his guests to learn the retirement and tax planning tips you need so you too can live your golden years with the happiness and excitement you deserve. Hear stories from his years of experience to help you transition into a fun and intentional retirement. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Hello Retirement with your host, Josh Leonard, where we talk about transitioning into retirement with intent. I'm Wendy McConnell. Josh, how has your fall been going thus far? Great so far. Loving the leaves changing. The fall winds are beautiful here on Lake Michigan. Last week, we had 18 to 20 foot waves coming in. So sounds like the ocean at night. So nice, relaxing sound and uh, accelerated some of the leaves falling, but certainly beautiful. Has the uh, weather been a bit chilly then? It was. This week, it's warmed up and over the weekend, it warmed up. So that's fine. I'll take 70 degree weather here in October. So. And the leaves changing is always my favorite part of the fall. So hopefully you get a lot of different vibrant colors. You know, we've had a lot of drought conditions in my area here in New Jersey. So they're not going to be as vibrant this year, they say, as in years past. How about where you are? Leaves are vibrant. So I got a, a nice bright red tree the last week or so as I'm walking the dog. So Enjoy seeing that. And then different areas along the lake, we've seen sort of a different pattern of the leaves changing, some a little bit quicker than others. So I think probably based on wind or something. So very interesting. Very You'll have to send me a picture since I'm not getting the vibrancy this year. Okay. We can send some along, certainly. Sounds great. Okay. So we have a special guest today, right, Josh? That's right. That's right. So today we have a guest, Al Miller. Al is someone that we've worked with for a couple of years here. And uh, you might think that I'm crazy for my steelhead aspirations, but I'm going to blow that out of the water. So Al's an avid cyclist who completed a ride across the U.S. last year. His adventure was chronicled through his blog, where he had 86 followers, uh, averaged 350 viewers per day, 18,000 total views in 16 different countries. So Certainly a lot of people tuning into that. I met Al through his spouse who attended one of our public workshops that my dad hosted many years ago. Al was nearing retirement, so Julie had reached out and uh, we we set up a few meetings and started our relationship from there. Uh, Al had shared his passion for cycling pretty much as soon as we started talking. Shortly after we started having meetings, he told me that he rode his bike to Indiana from Pittsburgh. And I thought that was pretty astounding. That's a pretty decent ride there. He was going to visit his brother and I think also met up with uh, his son along the way there. I've been fortunate enough to get to know Al, have some more personal time as well, sharing a meal together over the winter. Um, But other than an avid cyclist, he's a retired engineer, a husband and a father. He will be our first client that we've had on the podcast. So that is a first for the Hello Retirement podcast. So thank you so much, Al, for being on today. And I'm excited to hear your story about one of your first adventures being in retirement as something exciting to retire to, not just retiring from work. Thank you, Josh. It's great to be here. Good. Well, Al, since we're talking about cycling today, what got you started in cycling? Well, when I was a kid, I learned how to ride a bike like all kids do. It's just that I never stopped. 
<laughs> so for some reason, riding a bicycle just struck a chord with me. And part of the attraction, I think, was the adventures for riding a bicycle out in the countryside by yourself uh, with a small group of people. When I was a kid, I used to read a lot of adventure stories to trappers and hunters that would go west of the Ohio River and explore the countryside, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. So for some reason, cycling just grabbed hold of me and I've never let go. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I had mentioned um, introducing you about riding to Indiana. When did you start doing longer rides like crossing multiple states or multiple days? Well, my, my first one was when I was still in high school. So I was that weird kid in high school that still rode a bicycle, even though I had a driver's license. Okay. So between my uh, junior and senior year in high school, a buddy and I, who was a year older, we rode our bikes from our town, which is southeastern Iowa, all the way across Iowa to the Missouri River and back six days. And we were quite a sight. We wore cutoffs. We had big cable locks around our waist because somebody might steal our bikes. We had no helmets, of course. We just had a bag in the front, a bag in the rear, and we rode. We had a great time. Yeah. Any troubles on those early long rides? Any big lessons that you learned from those? No. No. We, yeah. we, we didn't have we didn't have any serious issues other than sunburn. Yeah. Okay. Uh, rain, bad weather. You just learn to deal with that. No, it, it's, uh, if, if I would have had a catastrophic event, I think uh, I would have stopped, but yeah. no, it was, it was good. It was an adventure. So where did you sleep, Al? Did you sleep? So on, on that trip, we stayed in hotels after school. I took uh, several cross cut or several multi-day six day bike rides where I carried a tent, a sleeping bag and a stove. So I've slept in parks. I've slept behind gas stations. You find a way to settle down at night. Yes. And what do you prefer to do at this point? Are you still doing the camping or have you gone back to hotels? Mostly hotels. I would love to get back in the camping thing, but I'm finding the price of the camping gear, the camping equipment for a couple nights. I'm just finding it difficult to justify that. Okay. So it sounds like really it was the sense of adventure that led you to start going longer distances. Is that right? Very much so. And it's a personal challenge. You can ride 100 miles. Can I ride 130 miles? Can I ride? You just, you could just keep riding. And I, people that run long distances, there's a lot of those. There's a lot of people like that out there. I found that with my marathon training is I think for me, the first milestone that I hadn't really run distance was like running five miles. And then I'm like, oh, that wasn't that hard. I think I exactly. can go further. And then before you know it, you're running for multiple hours. And I think many of us don't think our bodies can do that. But if you slowly grow, you, you certainly can. Yeah, our, our bodies are very adaptable to what we throw at them. And if, if you think back a generation or two, when people used to work like crazy on farms and coal mines, wherever, I mean, every single day of their lives. So our bodies are very adaptable in today's age, you know, with all the conveniences, all the stuff we have, we just maybe lose sight of that. Sure. Yeah, I think so. I think that's what they say. Sitting is the new smoking that so many <laughs> of us are sitting so much throughout the day that it's so unhealthy, not only for our spine, but we might be snacking while we're sitting all day as well. And it's not really helping us. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> Good, good. So of course, there's the health benefits for cycling as well. Do you feel like at your age that there's a reason to do it just for health benefits or it's still just fun to you? 
Uh, both. So yes, it's fun. It's, or I wouldn't be, I still wouldn't be doing it. The health benefits and when I was working and you were around younger people and you had to walk up a flight of stairs and they're huffing and puffing, you just, you say, wow, I'm glad I'm not them. Also, you see a lot of people even older than myself out there pedaling and you say, I want to be those people. I want to keep doing this cycling, swimming, running to a certain extent, but they're just healthy things to do. And you can do them when you're older. Yeah. And I appreciate that very much about the sport of cycling. Yeah. Any suggestions for a 30 something dad trying to get out on some long rides with kids at home? (laughs) I'll tell you what my wife, Julie told me, she said, you can ride anywhere you want as long as you take along your three sons. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. We had a little trailer to pull them when they were little. We had a, a trailer bike. It fastens to the adult bike and the kid has pedals. But when they get tired, they can just not pedal. Okay. Sure. We did a lot of that. We were fortunate in the town we lived in that we had a lot of bike paths. So you could ride to little parks. That was always a treat for the kids, you know, spend whatever time and then ride home or to a snow cone stand, ice cream, whatever. And then when they get to be about 10, 11, or 12, you can take them out on death, death marches, I call them. So central Illinois, it's flat as a pancake, it's windy. And it's kind of unpleasant cycling. But when they're when they get to be that age, it's kind of a challenge, you know, Mm -hmm. to ride five or 10 miles, they can grasp that. So two of my sons still ride today. And both of them rode 100 miles, two days in a row. There's a bike ride along the Mississippi River. Son number three just looked at me and said, Dad, why would I want to do that? So he's only ridden 50 miles two days in a row. But yep. he surprised me a couple months ago. He told me he was going to the gym on a regular basis. And I'm going, hmm, maybe there's hope for him yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our young boys were trying to get in. They're both on two wheels, no training wheels. And we have some single track. Um, nearby that they've been riding on with me now. So that's certainly been fun, but it doesn't last too long with a four and almost six-year-old. It's a pretty short attention span at this yeah, point. Yeah. And I think you just have to, you just have to keep it short and make it an adventure so that they keep wanting to do it. Yeah. If you push them in it too quickly and it gets to be not fun, I think you probably ruin them for life. Yep. Yep. I think that's probably okay. true for most sports and activities. As a parent, we can over push for things and then they go yes. the other way quickly. Yes. So your dad, Alvin, rode across the country about 26 years ago. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. So was that inspiration for the trip or? Well, we, we, yes. The answer is yes, because it always meant a, it was always a big deal to dad that he had done that. And it was a big deal to us as kids. You know, when your dad does something like that, you go, whoa. So. That was part of the impetus for this trip. He had passed away about a year and a half earlier. So yes, that was kind of the thing that that made it important for my brothers, two of my brothers, myself to do it right now at this point in our lives. So two of us re- were retired. It was easy. <clears throat> uh, my youngest brother, he got a leave of absence from Caterpillar for two months. So he was able to join us. So it, it all worked out very well. Yeah. And it just happened to be 25 years from the date that our dad rode across the country. Okay. And what made him choose that as sort of a challenge or an adventure to complete? Good question. I will probably never know the exact answer, but dad had several rides across Iowa. There's a ride called Ragbri, the Register's Annual Great Bicycle Ride Across Iowa. He did the second one and it kind of took the state by storm, you know, all these people riding their bikes. 
So dad did the second one. He took on two different trips. He took um, his, his kids along on two other occasions. So he got the bug about riding bicycles long distance somehow by doing that kind of stuff. Okay. And then when he did it, he signed up with an outfit where they stayed in churches. So they, the outfit carried the uh, sleeping bags, your stuff, and then you slept in a, on a church floor. Somewhere. So that's the way he did it. But okay. Yeah. Well, I know before recording, you had mentioned in, in exploring your options for preparing for the trip that your brother had mentioned a Trek-led trip with a pretty hefty price tag to it. I would assume staying in churches and that support system was quite a bit cheaper for dad. Correct. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. What was the biggest uncertainty you had when you prepared for the trip? The weather. So things you can't control the weather, the last couple of summers out West, Oregon, Northern California, forest fires, they close roads, that kind of stuff. And we met cyclists that had to take big giant detours like days because certain section counties were closed because of forest fires. But fortunately <clears throat> we didn't have too many issues with wind and we didn't have to reroute because of forest fires because of smoke. We okay. saw a lot of smoke uh, and we rode through an area that had been recently burned, but again, we were lucky and didn't have to detour. And how did you handle rainy days? Would you uh, ride through it or just detour? Just take a ride? No, no, you just put on a jacket and keep pedaling. All of our bikes had fenders on them. So, so having fenders on a bike in the rain is not at all uncomfortable. Okay. Because so again, we were fortunate. There was only three days where we had to wear jackets where we had rain out of the 60 days. So we were just, we were very lucky. Yeah, I'd say so. So the fenders, they just help like the backsplash or the splash coming up along your well, back. E yeah, even your feet stay a lot drier and cleaner because of fenders. Okay. And I, I rode the whole trip in sandals, by the okay. way, with cleats on the on the bottoms. Huh. So um so you, you don't clip in. Yeah, they have they have clips on the bottom. Oh, oh okay. Sh Shimano sandals. Ah. Okay, nice. So, and there was one time I brought along a pair of waterproof socks. It was one time it was super cold at 31 degrees or something that I had to put on my fancy socks. But the rest of the time, I was just a tourist in sandals. It yeah, was great. okay, there you go, there you go. Comfortable cafe shoes then too, huh? Correct, correct. Okay, so you didn't run into really any forest fires at the time. Was that something you had planned out on the route or just sort of lucky? Lucky, not okay. no planning. We had a start date and the start day was predicated on the fact that we wanted to be in Yellowstone the day after Labor Day. We wanted to avoid the summer crowds. Yeah. So we arrived in Yellowstone, the entrance on Labor Day. So we were just lucky the weather. We missed the hot weather they had out west last summer. We missed the hurricanes that they had along the eastern seaboard last summer. We, it was just fortunate. That's all. Okay. Was there any specific sites that you wanted to see along the way or how did you choose the route? The routes, we wanted to do the Northern United States as opposed to the Central United States. Plus the advantage was we could stop by where my mom and my brother live on the Northern route. And one two day rest period, we got to stay with a nephew, my brother's son in Minneapolis. So we used routes from Adventure Cycling. They make bicycle specific routes all around the USA. And we kludged together three of their routes so that we started in Oregon and ended up in Bar Harbor, Maine, 4,800 miles. But we didn't really, we just used their routes. They have the services. They have all that on their maps, very detailed for 
uh, specifically for bicyclists. Oh, very cool. Okay. Well, we'll link that in the show notes too. So if anyone wants to check out there. Also, I wanted to mention Al's blog where all of these adventures are chronicled for or adventures of four mammals. We'll link that in the show notes as well. So you can kind of see the route that they followed and read through some of the, the posts. I know for me following along, there was a lot of cool small towns that you went to along the way. Was there anything that that has stuck out to you since or any towns that you want to go back and visit? Yeah, well, there was a lot of places that were very cool. And um, Oregon, Oregon had a lot of very pretty cycling. I did not realize it was such a wild country, particularly when you get east of the mountains. Okay, very cool. And then uh, uh, I would go back in a heartbeat and ride the Mickelson Trail in the Black Hills in South Dakota. We went to the Black Hills a lot as a kid for vacation because it was close to Iowa. But the Mickelson Trail uh, was very, very, very pretty. The hills, the little tunnels, it was very well done. Okay. So was your route all on the road or did you have some gravel rides too or trail rides? It was mostly on pavement. Yeah. And we were on a couple of trails, like, like the Mickelson trail that had gravel, you know, hard pack gravel, hmm. but I'll say 95% of it was on roads, lightly traffic back roads, but not so back that you didn't get to see a town now and then. Cause you need services. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so, um, like how many tubes do you carry or what's like the most important gear that you're bringing with you? Uh, we all had a spare tire. Uh, my tires were different than the other three. So they had a tire to share. I just had my own tire. And I think we each had two tubes. Only one person had flats. My brother's friend, Joe, he had four flat tires. The rest of us had no flat tires uh, on the road. And um, my brothers changed their tires midway. I refused to do that. <clears throat> so I rode the same tires the whole route. Okay. Huh. Uh, but probably tubes is the most important thing to be prepared for because you're sooner or later, you're going to have a flat. And we had some other minor mechanical things. I'll say uh, tools wise, you know, like a chain link uh, spare spokes, but bicycles are relatively simple. Yeah. So, so you don't need a lot. Was there any particular like town or image? I know on the blog, you had a lot of unique signs from the different towns that you went into. Is there anything that stands out to you that, that kind of serves as a memory of the whole trip or could kind of help symbolize the whole trip. Yeah. Yeah. So let me paint a picture for you. Okay. So we arrive in Mitchell, Oregon. It's a town of 121 people. Half the buildings on the main street are dilapidated and, you know, fallen down kind of buildings, super old West look and feel to it. <clears throat> there was a little, and it, they, they build themselves as the gateway to the painted Hills, the, the hills were like rocks of different colors, if you can picture that. Very pretty. And they had a, a, a little cafe, bakery kind of place called Painted Hills Pastry. So pastry is like a magnet for cyclists. I mean, we just you just can't get enough of that kind of stuff. So we stopped. And it just so happens there was a gal named Kate Cloud. And she bills herself as a professional wanderer. She pulls up. She's driving a Jeep and, and behind her Jeep, she has a little trailer that has a little wooden house, a tiny house built on the trailer. And she, she soloed the Appalachian Trail. She soloed the Pacific Crest Trail. I mean, this gal just is on the move and she's one of those YouTube people. That's how she yeah. survives. 
<clears throat> and not only was it Kate, but she had a goat. She rescued this goat. It was a runt of a litter. So she travels with this little baby goat. And right now, as we're speaking, if you go out on YouTube, Kate Cloud, you'll find her. She's walking across the United States with her goat. Oh, wow. You just can't make this stuff up. We're in yeah. a teeny tiny little town. This gal shows up and we go from being, what are you doing to just our mouths are dropping at her stories because. Right. Yeah. She out adventured you. Big time. <laughs> big time. Uh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I know in looking at the blog, which again, we'll link in the show notes. So definitely check it out. There's a lot of cool pictures. And I, to me, it helped to remind me that the United States is a very big country. Right. So we all get used to our home areas, maybe where we normally go to vacation. But there are tons of little gems and new places to learn about throughout the country. Um, De definitely. Definitely. When it comes to um, retiring with intent, if someone's intention is to retire and then go on adventures like Al is doing, how do you go about preparing for that? Not just financially, but I guess in health as well. Well, Al, I'll let you tackle the health part a little bit. And I, I got a bit to throw in there, but I'll, I'll throw that one to you first. Yeah. So I've just been very blessed with my health. I mean, obviously health is the most important thing. I think when you retire, even more important than the money aspect. So anything you can do to keep uh, moving, keep active, I think is very positive. And retirement enhances that because now if I want to ride my bike at one o'clock in the afternoon in January, because it's going to get up to 45 degrees, I can do that. So that makes it even more special, the retirement aspect. But yes, having, having the health to be able to do stuff like this, I am blessed. If you keep active, keep moving, you can do similar sort of things. Okay. Yeah, I think for us, we encourage clients to do something to stay active. So mentally active as well as physically active. Men in particular are not very good. If they don't have a purpose, they tend to start to rot away. So in retirement, if you don't have something that you're retiring to, it can be quite detrimental. Um, I know in preparing for Al's trip too, Julie was quite concerned to make sure that his Medicare was all in order before he went as well. So that was a little bit of the planning there. You want to make sure that you have enough there. I would say, given with how the market is now too, we want to make sure that we're properly planning out our income or expenses for a large adventure like this, where we're not all of a sudden needing to withdraw a lot of money to replace a bike out of a portfolio that might be down 20% or something at that time period. So I think it falls into that. We do have some clients that are planning for other adventures. So whether that's like buying an adventure van and trying to drive across the U.S. and stay in different campgrounds. So there it's just trying to get a good idea of what the expenses might be um, and prepare appropriate, appropriately for that. Um, Al, I got a couple more quick questions that I'm going to try to run through real quick here before we wrap up. Uh, what kind of bike do you ride and why? <laughs> so I have a, a bicycle that it's my dream bike. So several years ago, I, I hooked up with a builder in Colorado, uh, Mark Nobilet, sat down with him, said, this is what I would like. And he built it. And it's based on a French style bicycle from the 50s. It's, it's called Rondeneuring. So it's a thing you do where you're prepared to ride on any road surface, any night, day. It has generator lights. It has fenders. It's just a very nice bicycle. 
So that's what I rode across the country. You do not need a fancy bike to ride, ride across the country. My youngest brother rode a bike that was 30 some years old. Okay. Steel, steel frame also. So, but yeah, my bike is special and I like it. Okay. It, what component, or is there like an individual part that you really fancy on your bike? So, so the most important thing on a bike, my opinion is the seat, get us, get yourself a leather seat and the leather over time kind of conforms itself to your bum. Plastic seats are evil. A lot of people don't ride because their bum is sore and Yes. So leather seat, number one. The other thing is 10 years ago, fast bikes had skinny tires and a new research has found out that those skinny high pressure tires are not faster than fat, plump, soft, cushy tires. So uh, if you're going to purchase a bike today, they call them gravel bikes, but get, get bikes that have tires that are 28, 30 millimeters or even wider. My tires are an inch and a half wide. And oh, wow. okay. it's a cushion of air that I'm riding on and it saves your arms, your hands and your bum. But number one, the seat number two is a tire width. I'm a little curious. Do you have a count of how many bikes you have purchased throughout your lifetime? Not, not many. I still have my very, well, it's my second bike. My first one got smashed on a bumper rack, but I still have my, my first Peugeot was 1976. And I've had, this is my third bike since then. And I have a bike that folds up into a suitcase. Mm -hmm. so I have, uh, by a lot of standards, I have a, uh, I have a small fleet. Okay. I, I don't have that many. <laughs> you're not, you're not the avid cyclist that has a different bike for every day of the uh, year. There's, or some, anything. there's some people the, the ideal number of bikes they say is N plus one. Yeah. <laughs> We um, I recently purchased a gravel bike, and that was my idea, is I want to do the half Ironman, so I want something that can be quick on the road, but I also just want a nice bike to be able to ride in other conditions as well, so that yeah. led me to a gravel bike, and our roads here in Michigan, much like in Pittsburgh, can be almost gravel in some stages anyways, so. Yeah, yeah, so, so yeah, the wider tire bikes, gravel bikes, good because they're lower pressure, and that they're... Uh, a better ride than the old skinny tires that beat you to death. Yeah. Okay. Do you ride in the winter? So I know you mentioned like a 45 degree day in January, but do you ever ride with any snow on the ground or what's the criteria there? My only criteria is that the road is halfway dry. So I, I don't want to ride on ice. I don't want to ride in snow. And typically, and the answer is yes, I'll ride all winter long in Pittsburgh and typically I only miss like a week at a time, let's say two or maybe three times a winter. And that's okay. I need the rest anyway. But if it's down in the twenties, I'll go, I'm fortunate to live near North park. I'll go over to North park and ride three or four laps. Uh, but if you get the proper gear, most people overdress in the winter. So they start sweating, they get too hot. I have a little table I refer to that I've used over the years. So Yes, I ride all winter long. I do have a, a stationary thing and uh, rollers. I haven't used mm -hmm. those for 35 years. It's just boring <laughs> to ride indoors. Yeah, I know I have a, a friend who races, does gravel races, and he has a trainer. But now it's uh, like a video game. They have a whole oh, video yeah, system yeah. to, I know for me running, I, I can't do the treadmill. I'll run in a foot of snow before I'll go on the treadmill. 
Yeah, and, and those Zwift and uh, what's the other the other brand, uh, Peloton, they have the little computer-generated people. Yeah, those make it more fun, but it's still just a computer. Yep, yep, yep. Well, very good. Well, Al, thank you so much for having or for taking the time to come on today. I'm sure our listeners will certainly enjoy hearing of your adventure and checking out the blog as well. Sure. Josh, Wendy was great. Thank you. Al, thank you for joining us. As mentioned, we're going to make sure to put the link to your blog in the show notes today. And Josh, where can people get a hold of you? Yeah, so they can reach me direct via email, jleonard at leonardadvisorygroup.com. They can certainly check out our website at leonardadvisorygroup.com or feel free to give our office a call if they want to schedule a call and maybe uh, they're planning a big adventure and would like some financial planning to back up that adventure. Our phone number at the office is 412-998-PLAN. And Desiree would be happy to schedule a 15-minute introductory phone call with me for those of you looking to plan out maybe something fun like cycling across the U.S. All right. And thank you for joining us on Hello Retirement with Josh Leonard. Please like, follow, and share this podcast. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to the Hello Retirement Podcast, the show that helps you transition into a happy, fun, and intentional retirement. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.leonardadvisorygroup.com or give us a call at 412-998-PLAN. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Leonard Advisory Group, LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service professionals with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.